With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw. Steps up. Floats a bomb up the right seam. Looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. the middle of that line and it's a touchdown big return for Crowder 85 yards pass thrown there was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete they got pressure on Prescott it was Adams who came blitzing in he'll hit immediately when he got the handoff you know that's the Q-inator oh my gosh listen thank you and welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I'm joined for part two of the weekend mailbag by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right back into the mailbag with Felix Walper. He says, Adoga played a nice game against the Cowboys. At least that's what I thought. My friends thought. Everybody on Jets Twitter seemed to think that. But then PFF graded him worse in that game than against Philly. What's your opinion on Adogo? What's wrong with PFF? Or is there something PFF knows that we don't know? So I just did X and O quick hits with Joe Blewett. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it yet, go ahead into the archives and check it out. If you haven't watched Joe Blewett's full film review from that game, go to Turn on the Jets TV on YouTube and you can see it. It's three hours and he talks about Adoga plenty. What Joe Blewett said is that Chuma Doga played pretty well, especially for somebody in his second start. When I watched the game live, my impression was that he struggled a little bit here and there, but overall had a solid outing, again, especially for somebody that was making his second career start. So Joe went through and watched the film, and he seemed to think the same way, but he actually thought that Adoga was better than my first impression led me to believe. Well, PFF came out with their grade, and I'm going to be honest with you, this is exactly why I don't trust PFF. 
I don't know where those grades come from. I don't know who's doing them. I don't know what the criteria is. There's no explanation. I think PFF can be a useful tool at times, especially when they're crunching certain numbers. But these grades to me are semi-worthless. Look at what they said about Alex Lewis and how bad they said he was at left guard for the Ravens last year. And he's been the best player on the Jets offensive line by leaps and bounds. So take PFF with a grain of salt, especially those grades. I really don't think they mean anything. And as far as whether or not they know something that we don't know, not that I can tell. Yeah, uh, the, uh, we seem to have this discussion a lot with PFF. It seems to come up, you know, every other week, and it's the same thing. I just uh, every day that goes by in life, I tr- I seem to trust uh, PFF less and less, and I I don't understand their grading system. I don't understand how they do it. I don't understand what they're looking at. I don't understand, you know, how they ass- assess what players' responsibilities are. Um, there's, there's times where it's clear an offensive lineman is passing a, a guy off to somebody else, and I don't know if they identify that all the time. I I said after the Eagles game that the first half of Chumadoga was really rough, and the second half was rough at times too, but you could look and see it looked like he started to settle down a little bit. I was extremely impressed with him during the Cowboys game, and it, he did not have easy matchups in that game. Dallas has a very good uh, defensive line, including Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, he had his hands full, and I thought he played really, really well. I saw the guy Brandon Thorne on Twitter the other day talking about how impressed he was with Chuma Adoga. Uh, and speaking of footwork, he was really impressed with his feet, uh, his athleticism and his feet. And for his second game, especially remember how we talked about Chumadoga since the draft. We were talking about him before the draft, about how they'd be a good target there in the third round. He was raw, but he had all types of upside and potential. And uh, it was somebody that was probably going to take some time to develop, but had high upside. Well, he got thrown in there quicker than we expected, and he's especially against Dallas, he looked pretty good early. He still has some things he needs to iron out and fix, of course. Uh, there were some hiccups there at times, you could see, but he's he's learning. He's adjusting and adapting, and I was really impressed by him, and I just can't imagine. I watched that game you know, as it happened. I went back and I rewatched it, and I just have no earthly idea how PFF came to the conclusion that they did because I thought he played and looked really good and I, I just I just don't understand their grades and this is why I just I have stopped when when PFF first became a thing I, I would use them and incorporate them into articles and uh, you know it seems I don't know how much of it was just me just assuming, hey, these guys know what they're talking about, and I'll run with it. But it did seem at, at the beginning of their uh, their run that that my eyes matched up more with their grades. And now it's like every time a grade is pointed out to me or I see, I'm just like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I, and it go, I go both ways where they give – and I'm not just talking about Jets players. It goes all around the league, but – Sometimes I'll see them give Jets players great grades, and I'm like, I don't understand how you got this. I, I can think about, like, Trumaine Johnson last year. There was, like, a four-grade game stretch where they had, 
Tremaine Johnson graded as the best cornerback in the league over that. And he had that like one fluky uh, tipped interception that he returned for a touchdown. And I'm convinced that they just gave him so many points for getting a pick six, even though it just happened to get deflected by somebody else and fall into his arms that that just carried so much weight with them that it ruled out everything bad that he did. Um, I, I don't use PFF at all in my articles anymore because I just feel like they have no weight. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So uh, I get fans want to keep looking at it and relying on it, but yeah, we keep answering these questions and it's basically just, I, I don't understand how their grading system works and I do not trust it. And I think Joe Moldoga, especially for just his second start in this league, looked really, really good. And it, and it's promising for his future. I have to point out once again that Chumadogo is picked with the Teddy Bridgewater pick, so there has to be a little bit of magic associated with that. PFF's lack of transparency is a big problem because you don't know who is doing this or what the criteria is, so you have no idea what that number is based on. And I remember there was a back and forth between one of the head honchos over at PFF and Joe Blewett, where they were talking about Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, where he was insisting, the guy from PFF was, that Baker Mayfield had much better tape than Sam Darnold. And Joe Blewett said, I reviewed these plays myself of both quarterbacks, and I can assure you that that is not true. And there's a reason why of the 24 general managers that were polled by Charlie Casserly before the draft, almost all of them had Sam Darnold ranked as their number one guy. Now, that doesn't mean that Sam Darnold is going to end up being better than Baker Mayfield, but it does mean that the smugly dismissive nature of this guy from PFF was a little over the top and infuriating. And the guy said, oh, you watched this many plays? We graded every single play that both guys ever were involved in in college. And so Joe dug in a little bit and said, oh, really? Okay, that's great. Well, why don't you tell me about this route or tell me about that route? What did you think of Sam Darnold on this particular play in this particular set? How about Baker Mayfield on this particular play? And he was asking very specific questions about, as you said, Chris, responsibilities, different things that went into the particular offense, different types of throws, all kinds of things that are much more advanced and require a lot of knowledge. And this guy blocked Joe instead of answering his questions, which told me all I needed to know because, again, we have no clue who is evaluating this stuff or what they're using to evaluate it. It's nice that they're watching all of the plays, but if they don't know what they're watching, it doesn't hold any value. And that doesn't mean that everybody that works for PFF doesn't know what they're watching. I'm sure some of them do, but I'm also sure some of them don't. And there's no way to distinguish between the two because they have zero transparency. That's the other thing. I think when they, they first started and they were first uh, popping up around they had uh, far less people working there. And so it was like, I, I pretty much knew who it was doing it. And now it's every time I log on Twitter, I see a new PFF account and I don't know who these people are and I'm not knocking them because they don't know who I am. So like, I'm not saying that me not knowing who them are, who they are doesn't mean that they don't know what they're talking about, but I don't know whether I, they know what they're talking about. And there's just so many of them. And I feel like how many times have you heard, and again, this goes to the Leonard Williams discussion. Uh, football people will tell you process over results. 
process over results that it's kind it's kind of like you know playing blackjack and hitting on a 19 yes you might get a two and you might end up winning but that was still the wrong move to go i feel like pff goes results over process and that leads me to the tremaine johnson thing again where he had the one pick six and all of a sudden that meant his grade was so high even though all the other players were so bad uh i i think that they put more of an emphasis on result and they don't give that i, I don't know how much if it's they don't take in the context of it or if they just don't explain the context of it but you can't grade a, a single football player without context. You can't grade it without the process around it. And I just feel like they do their grading based on result way more than process. And one thing that Joe Blewett taught me about watching film that I wonder if these guys are really taking into account is when you have a cornerback and let's say you say he did this on this many targets or he had this many passes defense on this many targets, you can't just watch the plays where that guy was targeted because there are going to be other plays yes. where the opposing quarterback might not have seen the guy wide open. So, for instance, there was one play a couple of years ago when everybody was talking about how great Morris Claiborne was playing where Alan Hearns broke wide open for an easy touchdown, but Blake Bortles, who is terrible, did not see him. And so if you looked at that watching the film, even if you weren't zeroing in on Claiborne's targets, you would see it and say, wow, that's a terrible play, and he just got lucky. And if that happens again, which it likely would if it happened there with Hearns, then he's going to give up a touchdown. And as we saw... That's what happened as everything kind of came back into where it was supposed to be and Claiborne started to not play as well over the second half of the season. His luck started to run out. But if you're somebody that only looks at the targeted plays with him, then you only see those plays and you don't see the other plays and then you don't have a full picture of the way that guy is performing. So to back up what you said as far as PFF going with results over process, I think that's a big thing. And again, the lack of transparency cannot be overstated. It is a huge problem. And if PFF wants to be taken seriously by people like myself, people like Chris, people like Joe Blewett, they have got to be more transparent about their methods and about who's doing the grading. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Steven Schiffenhouse. He says, if there ever was a case to be made that Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback, it looks like the dramatic change from a team that couldn't compete in the NFL to the team that we saw against the Cowboys is the case that could be made. 
A lot of games left, but seems like this will be great ammo for future arguments. Hate to give this argument the light of day, but every now and then, there's a troll that likes to say, I've seen this movie before with Mark Sanchez. It's a ridiculous argument on its face, but this definitely kills that because those AFC Championship teams lifted Sanchez as opposed to Darnold, who seems to have lifted the team up. What are your thoughts on this, gentlemen? This is very interesting. Obviously, it's way too early to know one way or the other whether or not Sam Darnold is going to be a franchise quarterback. What I can tell you is I think that this has a different feel for Mark Sanchez because when the Jets picked Mark Sanchez, it was acknowledged that he was a bit of a project. In fact, a lot of people weren't so keen on him starting right away. And if you recall, Pete Carroll said that Mark Sanchez should have stayed an extra year at USC. A lot of people called that self-serving at the time. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But Sanchez obviously had his ups and downs early on. He got off to a red-hot start the first couple of games. In fact, after the first few games, he was leading the NFL in passer rating on third down. But then things started to crumble a little bit because teams watched the film and realized that Sanchez wasn't somebody that was particularly good at recognizing protections. He wasn't somebody that was really good at reading the field. He could get hot if his first or second read was open. But if you were able to take those away from him, he was going to struggle. And that became what happened the rest of the way. He couldn't read defenses, and he wasn't able to get away from his first and second reads. So if defenses could take those away, he was going to run into trouble. You don't see that with Sam Darnold. And even going back to his USC tape, he's somebody that makes terrific reads. As Joe Blewett pointed out in his film review of Sam Darnold's 2017 season, at USC, even a lot of the interceptions that Darnold threw there, he made the right read. He just trusted himself a little too much to throw into a tight window. You would rather have a quarterback like that who's willing to take chances than somebody like Jude's hero, Alex Smith, who, as Sam Monson from the aforementioned PFF likes to say, is pathologically conservative and will always take the easy route, which will be okay because you're not going to turn the ball over, but you're also not going to make big plays. I think what you see with Darnold, too, is that he just sees the field in a way that Sanchez never did. He has physical tools that Sanchez never did. Obviously, Sanchez couldn't throw on the run the way that Darnold could. Sanchez couldn't make anticipation throws the way that Darnold can. Sanchez couldn't hit guys in a variety of routes the way that Darnold can. So I think there's no question that Darnold has the tools to become a franchise quarterback, and we've seen that not only from his days at USC, but especially over the last month of last season and against the Cowboys this past Sunday. Whether or not he continues to move in that direction and eventually get there is what we are waiting to find out. But the early results are promising. With Sanchez, the wheels started to come off fairly early, and he got exposed. With Darnold, we are seeing all the tools he has in the toolbox. The other thing I'll throw in here, and it's early, and knock on wood, I hope I'm not jinxing it, but the last time the Jets had a quarterback where every time they played a game, I was confident they had a chance to compete simply because they had that guy was 2002 with Chad Pennington. People who weren't around back then and weren't watching the games don't realize how outstanding Chad Pennington was before those injuries. He was phenomenal. And every single time he went out there, you just had this feeling that Chad Pennington could carry the team to victory that day, even if they were underdogs, even if you felt like the other team was better. And with Darnold, that's the first time I've had that feeling since 2002, since before Chad Pennington had those injuries. Now, is Darnold going to be able to keep that up? We're going to find out over the course of the rest of the season and obviously in subsequent seasons that he plays. But for now... 
There's a special feel to Sam Darnold. You're starting to get a grasp of that. And while he may or may not ultimately pan out as a franchise quarterback, I think that he has already shown you that a lot of the concerns that we saw early on with Mark Sanchez are not going to be the same with him. Yeah, again, we're back here at the process over results. Um, because you look at, you know, and I've, I've, I get into arguments, debates, and discussions with my friends about this stuff all the time, again, about non-Jets uh, quarterbacks where they will be like, well, okay, how could you, like last year, how could you be so excited about Patrick Mahomes after only a couple of games, but you're brushing off Jared Goff? Well, because I'm watching what Mahomes is doing. I'm not watching the result. I'm watching what it is he's doing and how he's getting that result. And I'm watching what Jared Goff is doing and how he's getting that result. When you look at Mark Sanchez, and uh, Sam Darnold, like you just said, there's all those things. You could watch Sanchez, and even on his good games, you could see the limitations there. You could see how he had trouble reading defenses going through his reads. You can see Sam Darnold. If you, if you know what you're looking for, you can see Sam Darnold going through his progressions. You can see Sam Darnold looking defenders off with his eyes and then flipping his hips and making a play on the other side. You can see him throwing with anticipation. Mark Sanchez never did any of that stuff. He wasn't able to do that. So fans tend to look, they just see the results, but they don't see the why of the results. What was it that made this play happen? And it was Sam Darnold more often than not, it's Sam Darnold made that play happen. It's not somebody schemed somebody open. It's not somebody was wide open there, and it was just an easy throw. Uh, again, look at that 92-yard. This goes back to what we were talking about, about uh, Darnold's footwork. The 92-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson, he he threw all, that off his back foot. Now, part of the reason why he was able to do that, Robbie was so wide open, he knew he could put a little more under it and let Robbie run under it. But if he stepped into that throw, I, even with him throwing off his back foot, he barely got that off without his hand getting touched by the Dallas defender. If he tried to step into that, that ball is getting swatted away. So he can do certain things in the moment that he needs to do to get a play that done, to make it happen. Where Mark Sanchez, the, uh, Jared Goff, uh, Jared Goff's better than Mark Sanchez. Don't let, let me think that I'm, I'm I'm saying that they're the same. You you know I'm not a big Goff fan, but he's better than Sanchez. But Goff needs things to be perfect around him to be able to make plays consistently. And, and Sam Darnold does not. And if you watch him and you watch what you're looking for, again, being going through his progressions, being able to look people off, being able to throw with anticipation, being able to make plays from unorthodox angles or not being fully – these are things that Mark Sanchez was never able to do. These are things that lots of quarterbacks that I've seen play, I've seen had success, and I just kind of brush it off. And people are like, I don't understand it. You can just brush off that performance. Will be because you're not looking for the same things I am. 
you're not looking for the details. You're not looking for the why of the play. When, you know, when Tom Brady is moving around in the pocket, when Sam Darnold is able to move around in the pocket, Aaron Rodgers, they're doing, you can see why. You can see the why of it all right in front of you. But you have to look at a play and you have to dissect it from many different angles. You have to look at the entire defense. You have to, like, pause the tape and scan the field yourself. And you have to do all that type of stuff. And fans don't have time for that. I get it. I completely get it. But when you do that stuff, that's where you see the difference in Sam Darnold. That's where you see what people like me and people who are super high on Sam Darnold, that's where you see it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Gus Toon. He says, Scott, you and the very big deal are in a lifeboat. Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams are in the water, but you can only save one. Which one? Also, you can't chuck the other one of you off. So, Scott, you can't chuck Chris off to save both. And, Chris, you can't chuck Scott off to save both. From a human standpoint, I don't know how I would answer this because I don't know Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams personally. From a football standpoint, I'm saving Sam Darnold and I'm not thinking twice. Yeah, I I appreciate Gus reading my mind there because I was going to toss you right (laughs) off that boat. I was going to toss you right off that boat. I was ready and I was just like, this is easy. Boot Scott out and save them both. Um, Sorry, Scott, but, you know, I think you'd be willing to take that sacrifice. Uh, But, yeah, from a football standpoint, you're absolutely correct. Quarterback over safety. Next question comes in from Peter Dillard. He says, Scott, I love you, but why do you keep defending the usurper Gase in regard to Luke Falk? I know it wasn't long, but Trevor Simeon, a marginal starter and serviceable backup, also did absolutely nothing when he was out there. Good coaches have players like that and remain competitive. Manish is right. Good coaches coach based on their players, not their scheme. To be totally honest, this team looked more competitive with Bryce Petty as the quarterback than any game the usurper has coached without Darnold. (laughs) I still love the usurper thing. Peter, I'm trying to be fair here because all due respect to Manish, but he keeps saying you have to coach to the talent you have and to Luke Falk's strengths. What were his strengths? I know that he talked about Luke Falk playing in Mike Leach's system, but he wasn't able to do anything. Adam Gase tried a bunch. Falk couldn't see the field. He held the ball too long every time he even had an opportunity to throw. Guys were open. He couldn't see them. He would check down even when he had an opportunity to go elsewhere. Gase tried stuff, and it didn't work. And I'm not saying that Gase did a phenomenal job, 
But there's really nothing he was going to be able to do with Luke Falk. As far as Simeon, yes, Simeon looked bad for sure. But again, it was less than one half of football. If Simeon had played three or four games and looked as bad as Falk, then yes, absolutely, you would have to go in hard on Gase because you would say, well, listen, Simeon's not great by any stretch, but we've seen him win games in the NFL. We've seen him be at least reasonably productive. There's no way that he should be this bad and that the Jet offense should be this bad. But with Luke Falk and an offensive line that was terrible combined together, to me, that's a recipe for disaster that no coach is going to be able to overcome. I hate that I have to keep saying this. I don't enjoy defending Adam Gase. I didn't want him here in the first place, and I'm still very skeptical of him for good reason. However, like I said, I've got to be fair here, and I think that... You have to have at least a somewhat capable quarterback, at least marginally capable behind that terrible offensive line for this offense to do anything at all because teams were stacking the box and you had to be able to have a quarterback that could at least see players get open other than Le'Veon Bell two feet in front of him. The Jets did not have that, and so I'm trying to be fair in judging Gase. Let's see what he does the rest of the season. As I said, you might have had an argument if Simeon had played, but with Falk and that terrible offensive line, I think we're not being fair if we say Gase should have been able to be more productive with that offense. How much more productive were you going to be? An extra 10, 20 yards a game or something? What are we looking for here? Yes, I agree with everything you said, but the key point at the end is where you really nailed it. Uh, the offensive line. Um they, they, you don't need some great elite quarterback to look like a functional offense with this offensive line, but you need somebody who, with a strong pocket presence, with po- being able to move around in the pocket, being able to feel pressure, be, not being scared to pull the trigger. Again, we talked about this process over results thing. Uh, you can look at uh, Robbie Anderson as an example of that. People were wondering what, what's going on with Robbie. Why isn't he making plays? And kept telling you, and other people kept telling you, and Adam Gase kept telling you, Robbie's open. Robbie's been getting open. They just couldn't hit him for multiple reasons. Some of it on the line, some of them on the quarterback. And the, the Luke Falk could not move around in the pocket against this off- with this offensive line protecting him. Uh, Trevor Simeon wasn't going to be much better at it, and I don't know that there is a, a quarterback, backup quarterback in the league that ha- has that type of pocket presence. You know, if they had Gardner Minshew, he would have been. I think he'd be able to get more out of him because if you watch the way Gardner Minshew plays, he he reminds me of Drew Brees with his, the way he moves around the pocket and the way he can buy time. He has some of that in him, and that is the key to what why Gardner Minshew has looked so good so far is because of his ability to move in and around the pocket. Uh, Luke Falk doesn't have that. And this offensive line and Luke Falk was just an awful combination. So if you want to criticize Jace for Luke Falk, then the criticism should be really why was he ever on the roster to begin with. But then at the same time, you got to look and think, Jace went into the season – expecting Luke Falk to sit on the practice squad for the entire season. He wasn't expecting Luke Falk to have to play this year. And then because Darnold got mono and they knew it was only going to be a couple weeks thing. And then the very first game, Trevor Simeon gets hurt. Then all of a sudden Luke Falk is thrown into the fire. Uh, he wasn't anticipating that. Uh, he was looking at Luke Falk as somebody to develop long-term 
And I, okay, that's fair because I don't think that it'll ever be there with Luke Falk. And I think that would have been fair to a conclusion to reach before the season even started. But he was trying to take a shot on somebody to develop. Uh, every NFL team does this. It just worked out that by this halfway through the second game of the year, they were already on their third string quarterback. Um, I, listen, I was plenty critical of Gase during those first couple weeks. But I just can't be critical of him with the, everything Luke Falk related with this offensive line. It's not just that Sam Darnold is much better at throwing the football. It's that he is elite at, with moving around in the pocket. And Luke Falk is the opposite of that. Next question comes in from Byron. He says, Scott, please switch out the Sam Robbie connection in your intro for the call of the 92-yard touchdown pass that occurred against the Cowboys. Also, watching all the dimes, Sam to Claus, oh, that's pretty funny, was throwing against the Cowboys. A lot of his best passes were to the left of the field. Any reason why? Should we be concerned about that? So let's start with the 92-yard touchdown call. If you listen to the intro of this show, you will hear that that has been put in there, but I will do you one better. I didn't put in the Jim Nance call. I put in the Bob Wischusen call, and we all know that Bob Wischusen is terrible at tweeting and should probably delete his Twitter account, but he is great at announcing, especially when it's an exciting play like that. So that starts off the intro, and if you haven't heard it yet, you will now. As far as the throws going to the left side of the field, I didn't even really notice that, but I'm guessing that's just where the guys were getting open. I wouldn't get too concerned about it just yet. Yeah, look, if, if this is a season-long trend with the the passes that way, then all right, fine. But I just think that was just where they, the guys were getting open. I remember, uh, uh, you know, again, watching it live and then watching it back. And it's not like I was seeing stuff wide open on the other side. He's missing. And uh, I'm watching him force stuff on that side. He's making those throws there. Those throws are there to be made, and he should be pulling the trigger there. So if if this continues, that trend continues all the way throughout the season, then all right, we might have to start thinking about it. But right now, I'm not even slightly concerned about it. Next question comes in from Ben Marsh. He says, is there a Church of Sam, and if so, how can I join? There is a Church of Sam, and here's how you can join, Ben. I'm going to give you a P.O. box. You need to send $100,000 in unmarked bills, and you're going to address it to Scott Mason. Don't worry. It's not going in my pocket. I'm going to make sure that it gets to Sam. Just kidding. There's no Church of Sam, but if there was, pretty sure we'd all be members. Hey, listen, I, I can get that done for you, Ben. 50 grand, though. <laughs> Undercutting my prices, Chris. I respect it. I respect it. Next question comes in from Chaz Maz. He says, gentlemen, how can people possibly believe that the defending Super Bowl champions who have dominated every team they face this season have any chance to beat this Jets team that has now beaten one decent team? <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of far-fetched, isn't it, that people would think the Patriots might win this game. In all seriousness, though, I do think that if Sam Darnold plays anywhere near as well as he did against the Cowboys, the Jets have a very good chance of being competitive. Not saying they're going to win, but I do think that they can be competitive if Darnold and the offense can play anywhere near as well as they did last week. Now, that is a very tough task because the Patriot defense has been absolutely lights out this year. So they're going to have to be able to overcome that defense, at least to some degree. And of course, the defense is also going to have to be able to keep Tom Brady in check at least a little bit. 
But your point is well taken. I think some people are getting a little too carried away. I'm confident the Jets are going to beat the Patriots this week. Let's ease up here. The Patriots are undefeated. They are the defending Super Bowl champions, and their defense has been tremendous so far this year. So I wouldn't exactly be counting my chickens, but I do think the Jets have a chance to at least be competitive here. Yeah, look, we'll get into this on the preview podcast. I'll I'll dive deeper into it. But look at, the obviously, the improvements uh, with Sam Darnold, getting Mosley back. Um, also, you look at the Patriots right now. This, this, they seem vulnerable in this moment to me. Now, especially because the defenses looked great, but they only played Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers that week one. That's the only real good offense that they've played. Everything else has been atrocious. Uh, I, I do think the defense is ex- exceptional and going to give the Jets problems. But let's see how good they are. And the offense is really struggling right now. And they just don't look scary at all. They have so many injuries on the line. They have injuries at receiver. They don't have a lot of uh, firepower at receiver anyway. Uh, they don't have growth anymore. They don't get a lot of tight ends. They seem very vulnerable to me right now. And I keep saying right now, because this is a point of the season. We've seen this so many times with the Patriots where they look vulnerable. Everyone's kind of wondering, uh, are they off here? And then they have like an an inexplicable loss. No one saw it coming. And people start wondering if if they're done. And then they figure out and they find a way to correct all their flaws. And they turn it around and go on and win the Super Bowl. So I'm saying they're looking vulnerable right now, but I still expect them to turn it around and be elite at the end of the season. But this seems to be a good spot for them to be able to actually steal a game off the Patriots or at least keep it close. Next question comes in from me, and that question is, who should you bet on this Sunday and Monday night in the NFL? And to answer those questions is going to be my brother Craig, who is, of course, our betting lines expert and professional poker player extraordinaire. And I think you should take his tips that have worked very, very well the last couple of weeks. His record has been excellent, especially on his teasers, where he's 5-1. and one, And you should put them to work for you and sign up at mybookie.ag because if you do that right now and use the promo code OVERTIME, you'll get your first deposit matched. That's right. They will double your first deposit if you sign up over at mybookie.ag and use the promo code Overtime. You can use Craig's picks, and he's going to give you his pick on the Jets game as well at the end here, so you can bet on that. You can do prop bets, too, if you want. You can bet on whether or not Le'Veon Bell is going to have his first 100-yard rushing game of the season. You can bet on whether or not Sam Darnold's going to throw for more passing yards than Tom Brady. You can bet on whether or not I'm going to curse out Tremaine Johnson three or more times. Take the over. Trust me on that one. Plus, you can, of course, bet on all the other games from around the NFL. Head over to MyBookie right now, use the promo code OVERTIME, and you will get that very special perk of having your first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, and you get paid. And with that, we bring in Craig. Craig, really excited to talk to you about your picks this week because you've been on such a roll. Knock on wood, I hope you keep it up. How's everything going out in Las Vegas right now? What's up, Scott? Uh, yeah, everything's good. You know, just getting closer and closer to having my baby girl. So that's pretty much all I've been doing, you know, hanging out and working on getting these good picks. I mean, I hate to brag, but I've been killing it lately. Three and one, two weeks before, three and all last week. I, I've been crushing it. Let's hope uh, that continues. 
Indeed. Let's see if you can continue your hot streak right now. Like I said, knock on wood. Let's start with your first pick. Who do you got? All right. So last week I went with Seattle, which was, you know, in my eyes, generally a public play. And I'm going to have to guess this pick here is going to be a bit of a public play as well. I generally usually stay away from those, but you know what? Something's just telling me this one's too easy. So I like Green Bay Packers at home minus four and a half against Oakland. Green Bay, to me right now, is probably the team to beat in the NFC. I mean, or if, if not, you know, it's, it's kind of open, but they're definitely one of the top teams in the NFC. Oakland's all right, but I just think Green Bay here minus four and a half at home seems seems like an easy pick. Anytime you have Aaron Rodgers at home and the spread is that light against a team like the Raiders, and don't get me wrong, the Raiders have exceeded expectations so far this season, but they seem to be a bit of an up-and-down team. I think it's a pretty solid bet when you're putting your money on Aaron Rodgers. What do you got for your second pick, Craig? All right, so my next two picks, I know you like to generally have me pick the Sunday and Monday night games and the Jet games. Well, I'm going to conflict with all of that because my next two picks actually are the Sunday and Monday night games. So... My next pick is going to be the Sunday night football game. I like Dallas minus two and a half at home against Philly. Dallas has been struggling. As we saw last week, I picked against them. I said I thought the Jets win that game. This is a totally different game, though. Division rivalry. Back at home, I think Prescott has a big game. Zeke has a big game. I like Dallas at home minus the two and a half. Dallas at home minus two and a half sounds like a good bet to me because both teams have been struggling. And so when you have a situation where two teams seem pretty even and they've both been teetering and tottering, I always like to play the safe bet and go with the home team. So I like that. I'm with you so far with both of your bets. Craig, what do you got for the Jets game on Monday night? I'm eagerly anticipating this one. Do you think the Jets are going to cover the spread? All right. So last week I told you my favorite pick of the week was the Jets. Not being biased or anything, I just really, truly thought Darnold coming back. But they're gonna. I, I told you, I think they have a good chance to win the game outright. People might think I'm crazy again. I am gonna ride the same thing this week. I know it's New England. I know they're six and zero. Monday night game. I love, absolutely love. Your, when I say love, my bookie that ag love. Put it in there. Jets plus ten. Love this pick. I actually, I'm not sure what the money line is. I'm gonna say it's probably around plus four hundred. Again, you might think I'm crazy. I think the Jets have a good chance to win this one outright. I love the Jets Monday night. Darnold's playing great. I mean, I know it's just one game, but I just, I don't know. I love the Jets in this one. Let's just remember, Craig said take the money line last week, and the spread was high enough that it would have been a nice payout. The spread's even higher this week. So if you're feeling a little froggy, you might want to put a few bucks on that money line. might be a worthwhile risk to take. And either way, you heard what Craig said. He loves the Jets plus the points. That seems to be a pretty popular pick when you talk to a lot of the sharps, as they call them. Those are the people that really know the betting lines and understand the sports book the way Craig does. So I like that one as well. I think there's a chance the Jets could get the upset, but I really do like the possibility of them covering the spread here. And that's why I'm super excited to be going to the game on Monday night. If you don't have your seats yet, go ahead over to Vivid Seats, download the Vivid Seats mobile app, and get them now because it's a hot ticket. You're going to want to use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout because you could get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase after you download the app. Plus, you'll automatically get enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program 
And you'll have plenty of opportunities to get great tickets for all your favorite events. The Rolling Stones and Bruce Springsteen were here recently. You could add tickets for that. When they come back, you can do that. Also, WrestleMania was here recently, so you could have used it for that. There are so many fantastic events, not to mention, of course, all the Jets games. Download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now. Use the promo code OVERTIME, and you will get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase, which could be the Jets game on Monday night if you decide to join me because I will be there. And Craig will be watching with bated breath to see whether or not he strikes gold again because he has the Jets with the points and he also likes the Jets on the money line, which is a bold pick, but it was a bold pick last week with the Cowboys. So let's see if his luck continues this week. Craig, now that we've got all your individual picks, what do you like for your teaser? You're 5-1 and one in your teasers this year. As you said, this could be an opportunity for people to win a few bucks over at mybookie.ag. What do you got? All right, so this week, listen, I mean, we all know, there's no secret, Miami is just a joke of a team. I mean, I, I don't even, if they don't get the number one pick, I would be absolutely shocked. They are just horrible. I mean, I think there's some college teams that could beat them. To me, Buffalo doesn't really blow teams out. They're not, they don't have that type of offense, but I just, that with that defense, I don't see Miami scoring really much. I see this being like a 28-3 to type of game. So my first pick in the teaser is going to be Buffalo minus 10 against Miami. Yeah, it's hard to dislike that one simply because the Dolphins aren't even trying to win. So when you have a team that's not even trying to win, yeah, they're going to cover the spread by accident every once in a while. But against a team like the Bills with a strong defense like that, it's a safe play to go ahead and take Buffalo. What do you have for the second game of your teaser? All right. So this has been working for me. I've been going all in on games. And you know what? My second game of my teaser is going to be the Jets, plus 17. It's my favorite pick of the week. Like I said, I think they could win the game outright. I think they could win the game. I think they cover the 10. I love them plus the 17. I hope hope I'm not wrong here and they get absolutely blown out, but I, just, I really don't think so. You know, they always, they always seem to play the Patriots pretty tough. I mean, listen, I do think they have a good chance to win the game. Do I, do I really think they're going to win? I don't know. I, I think they have a chance, but I do think it's going to be a very close game. So I, I really do like them plus the 17 here. I, I just don't think it's going to be a blowout. Monday night at home, fans going to be loud. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. So there you have it. Craig likes the Bills minus 10 against Miami and the Jets plus 17 against the New England Patriots for his teaser. He is 5-1 and one in his teaser so far this season. So let's see if his hot streak continues this week. Craig, as always, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For anybody that wants to get in contact with you, pick your brain a little bit on some betting advice, even just talk about person of interest, as I know that you're getting through the rest of the show. You're, I think, on season five now, if I'm not mistaken. Where can they get a hold of you? Unfortunately, my person of interest watching has slowed down, so I'm still at the end of season four. And, uh, <laughs> I'm getting there. Anyway, if you want to reach me, cmace86 at AOL.com and Craig Mason on Facebook. And yeah, send me a message or whatever, email, whatever you'd like. Thanks again, Craig. Now let's jump right back into the mailbag with Michael Christopher, who asks, do you think Jordan Jenkins is one of the most underrated players in the league? And do you think the Jets should lock him up to a contract extension before the offseason? He is a hard worker and his production is pretty good every time he plays. Would like for him to be building block for the future. Also, in this division, is the priority in order to beat the Pats shifting to having defensive tackles and safeties? If you look at the draft, all three AFC East teams have used premium picks on these positions. Even though the Dolphins did end up trading Minka Fitzpatrick, they did draft him and Wilkins. The Jets drafted Quinn and Williams, Adams and May. 
and the Bills grabbed Ed Oliver and Edmonds. It's an interesting point. I never really thought about that, but I do think that that helps a lot, and especially when Gronk was there, you needed a safety or a really great coverage linebacker to try and deal with Gronk, so that was certainly part of the equation. And the interior linemen have always been what has troubled Tom Brady the most. If you can get dominant interior linemen, it's much harder to do than most people think. And, of course, we have seen instances where the most dominant of interior linemen, namely Aaron Donald, weren't able to produce against Tom Brady. So it's not a cure-all, but it is something that Tom Brady has shown can bother him in the past. So certainly, I'm sure there's some strategy to that. Also, part of it is that it just worked out that certain players were the best guy on the board at the time that the teams were drafting. As far as the Jordan Jenkins question, I like Jenkins. He's turned into a pretty solid player. What I said with Joe Blewett the other day on XNL Quick Hits is that if Jordan Jenkins is your best edge rusher, that's not good. If Jordan Jenkins is your second best edge rusher, that's probably a pretty good thing. So if they were to re-sign him to a contract extension as long as the numbers were team-friendly, I'm fine with that. He's a solid player. He's not remarkable by any stretch. But you could do a lot worse. As you said, good team guy, high motor. He produces at a reasonably high rate. He's not going to be a guy that's going to strike fear into the hearts of opposing offensive coordinators. He's not going to keep quarterbacks awake at night the night before the game. But he has turned into a pretty solid player. So I wouldn't be against keeping him. I don't know that I would call him a building block for the future. I don't think he's on that level. But he could certainly be a nice piece to have going forward. Hey, I think we might have stumbled onto something here about, uh, you know, helping to explain the Patriots' dominance, at least within this division, over the past two decades. It's one, you, you always, like, I remember with the Colts, teams in that division with Peyton Manning, teams were always drafting to beat Peyton Manning in that offense and stop their receivers. And that's been happening in this division for the Patriots, too. But here's the thing that makes it so impossible and tricky to do with the Patriots is they switch everything up from year to year. Mm. So what they were last year is nothing what they're like this year and nothing like they were like three or four years ago. They switch things up. So if you're drafting a team to beat last year's Patriots team, by the time you're drafting those players, they're running a completely different system. And then the next year comes around and you're like, all right, now we got to adjust here. So we'll draft this guy to, to counteract this. And then the next season comes around and the Patriots lift it up again. So uh, maybe that uh, it plays into it that these, the teams have been so focused on uh, stopping what the Patriots did last year that they not really staying ahead of the curve and being ready for the Patriots to then switch it up. Uh, I'm not saying that that's, you know, I don't know how much of a factor that plays into the dominance, but I think it's got to play at least a little bit of a factor into it. And with Jordan Jenkins, we've talked about this before. Jordan Jenkins is a new Calvin Pace. Uh, he, he can rush the passer. He can do some things and he can definitely get coverage sacks. And then, you know, he'll come off the edge untouched sometimes and definitely complete his vision. He can set that edge and be a, a good in the run game and he can be solid and sound and do exactly what's asked of him. But he's, you know, he's, he's not the edge rusher that you want. Um, as far as resigning him, bringing him back, it depends on the price, of course, but, you know, is he overrated or underrated by the league? I don't know how many people around the league, and I'm not talking about uh, teams and organizations, but 
how we thought of uh, because he he plays for the Jets. The Jets haven't been good since he's been here, so I don't I don't think people really rate him uh, one way or another. But if you can get him at a good price, and I don't think he's going to be super expensive, they really like him, his personality. He fit into the culture, quote unquote. Um, hard worker, the players like him. Again, he's someone they can lean on and rely on to know what he is. And if, if they ask him to do something, he's going to be able to do it because they're not going to ask him to do too much. Um, he, he's Calvin Pace. He's, he's pretty much the new Calvin Pace. He can do all those same types of things. You would ideally like more of a pass rush out of him, but he's only going to be able to give you what he can give you. He has improved on that, so maybe he can continue improving more. Um, but I, I think he's perfectly fine. You still need a pure pass rusher opposite of him. But if you get that, then all of a sudden I think that helps Jordan Jenkins as well. Final question comes in from Fatty. He says, would the Jets be interested in Trent Williams? If so, if he's holding out and the trade deadline approaches, will Leo Williams and second-round pick be enough? I wouldn't trade Leonard Williams in a second-round pick for Trent Williams. I think Trent Williams is an excellent player, but he's 31 years old. He's missed half the season at this point. He's going to cost a lot of money. And I just don't like the idea of trading that kind of draft capital, especially when the team really needs to rebuild from the ground up and get themselves a lot of talented young players. You give up premium picks like that for aging players. And a lot of times it's a recipe for disaster, especially when you're a team like the Jets that's not a win-now team. The Jets are not the Rams. The Jets are not the Patriots. The Jets are not the Houston Texans. They're a team that at best is a fringe playoff team. So that's not a move that I would make. I also think that Daniel Snyder is going to hold out for a really good package of picks and or players because that is what Daniel Snyder does. He's stubborn and he's not going to sit there and think, oh, I better get what I can. He's going to say, I told Trent Williams he better get his butt here. He's got a contract and I'm not giving him his way. I'm not going to let him win unless I really win in a trade. And you saw this happen with Kirk Cousins where they had opportunities to trade him or do whatever else they wanted to do. And instead they ended up losing him for nothing because Daniel Snyder was stubborn and didn't want to give Kirk Cousins a win. I think you're going to see that again with Trent Williams. If he gets moved and the rumor right now was that the Browns might have a deal in place or that they're working towards one. If it happens, I think that the Browns are going to have to give up a lot, probably a first round pick. If not, it'll be a second plus. And that's the kind of move that at this point, I just don't think it would be wise for the Jets to make given the circumstances. So I'm not even going to bother to comment about uh, whether they should do Leo in a second for it. I'm just going to say it's not enough because this is Daniel Snyder in Washington. We're talking about, we talked about this during training camp in the off season uh, I checked in on this, and people, everyone I was talking to told me Daniel Snyder is going to cut off his nose despite his face on this. He just wants to screw, screw Trent Williams over right now and just stick it to Trent Williams. Uh, you can look at John Dorsey the other day. He was asked about it, and he said, uh, you know, it takes two to tango. And, like, they've checked in, and it just doesn't seem that Washington's really interested in doing this. Uh, I saw Albert Breer tweeted something the other day along the lines of basically, like, everything he's seen and hearing is uh, Washington has no desire to do this right now. Daniel Snyder is extremely stubborn and spiteful, uh, and we've seen this played out over and over and over again. Uh, I I just – 
I'm sure, especially with the way Washington season gone, I'm sure there is a a certain number of draft picks where you could get him to say, all right, fine, I can't turn this down, but it's going to be a big haul. They're not going to take Leo in a second for him. Uh, That's not enough of a return for Daniel Snyder because if he does that, he's giving Trent Williams what he wants. And mm-hmm. he does not want to give Trent Williams the win. He will continue taking loss after loss after loss as long as Trent Williams doesn't get the win. Uh, this has been explained to me numerous times. It's been explained to me over the year that, that years with Daniel Snyder. This is how he operates, and you can see it by the results of just how bad this team is and how poorly run that franchise is. The fact that Bruce Allen is still there. That whole situation is a mess, and it's because Daniel Snyder runs that team like his toy, and he's good, that he's just determined to destroy year after year. Two quick questions that were thrown in that I'm just going to answer real fast because they don't require long answers. Bruce Sass asked if his eyes were deceiving him or if Trayvon Wesco was playing defense against the Cowboys. Yes, your eyes were deceiving you. Trayvon Wesco was not playing defense against the Cowboys. Also, Garrett Prezosi asked which jerseys you and I are going to be rocking on Monday at the stadium, Chris. The answer is neither one of us will be wearing jerseys. I don't wear jerseys to games because... I'm superstitious and I think it brings bad luck Can't really explain it other than that It's just something I've never done And Chris isn't going to wear a jersey because He's not a fan, he's a member of the media So he's not going to walk into the press box Wearing a jersey Last thing before we go, it is Sunday Which means that there are a lot of important Fantasy football implications For so many people across the country And that means you want to know everything you can About the weather conditions going on today Because it can help you a lot in making the right decision Who to start in your fantasy Fantasy matchups today. So for that, of course, we go to my buddy Ed Valley, the CEO of Empire Weather, the very best there is in the weather game to give us all the details of what's going on around the league weather-wise. Ed, take it away, my man. Thanks, Scott. Meteorologist Ed Valley from Empire Weather LLC. Taking a look at the fantasy football weather impacts for week seven. Can't believe it's already week seven, but the further you get into the uh, NFL season, the better chance that injuries are going to get you and a better chance that weather is going to get you. As we get closer to that Thanksgiving time frame, you start watching a lot of rain, wind, even some snow popping up as you get deeper into the season. We've been pretty lucky here so far with the weather, but Monday might be the first time we actually have something to at least discuss weather-wise for the Jets game. Don't think it's going to be enough right now to really impact the game. We have an 8:15 kickoff, Pats at Jets at MetLife Stadium. And there could be some showers around. It's going to kind of be a raw evening. So if you're trying to tailgate after getting out of work on Monday, or if you're lucky to maybe have a half day or something to get to MetLife a little earlier, could be a couple showers around. It's going to be in the low to mid-60s, an easterly wind coming right off the Atlantic. It's not going to be the greatest of days. Lots of clouds around. Uh, Maybe a few showers sprinkled in there as well. No pun intended. Um, It doesn't look like it's going to be a big deal, but enough just to bring the rain gear with you and... From a weather perspective for the game, I don't think it'll be enough to really have an impact on gameplay, Uh, but it is something just to keep an eye on here if you're uh, looking at using any of those Pats or Jets players in your fantasy lineups. Now, outside of that game, I really don't think there's, there's too much to worry about. However, there's two games that we are watching. We have the Ravens playing the Seahawks. That's a 425 Eastern kickoff on Sunday. That could be, that game is Likely going to be impacted by some showers, even some 
you know, some wind. So that does not look like a pretty game whatsoever. And then for the remainder of the region, the only other game we're watching is the 49ers playing at the Redskins in Maryland. And that's at 1 o'clock on Sunday. And right now, I think most of the rain happens in the morning. But I think field conditions can certainly be up in the air if we do see rain kind of right up until kickoff. I think during the game it'll get better. But pregame conditions could be a little dicey there in Maryland for that 49ers-Redskins game. Otherwise, that's all we got for this week. Let's go Jets. Hopefully we can steal one at home against the Pats. Back to you, Scott. Ed, thanks for that awesome weather report as always. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter at Ed Valley, E-D-V-A-L-L-E-E-W-X and at Empire Weather WX. And I think I speak for all Jets fans when I say we are all with you in hoping that the Jets can find a way to steal this one tomorrow night at home at MetLife Stadium. And with that, we wrap up part two of the mailbag. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. I know you're going to have a ton of stuff up over at JetsInsider.com. We're going to be back with our pregame report tomorrow. We will have the injury report with Dr. Stoller in there as well. In the meantime, though, go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R on Twitter, the president of the Calvin Anderson Fan Club. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.